0: Hello, I want to welcome you to the Point Church Alberta Campus Sunday Preaching Podcast. My name is Josh Heisler, and I'm the Alberta Campus Pastor. We strongly believe in the expositional preaching of God's Word, which works to build our faith and grow us up in Christ. Our prayer is that this message will be a help to you on your journey of faith. Now join us as we get to the point. It's funny, I was, uh, I was kind of watching my heart rate and all through the worship and stuff, it's, it's about worship level heart rate. And uh, the moment I come down here and put the microphone on, it starts boom. boom, 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 boom and and i'm I'm used to, or I, at least i'm I thought I was comfortable speaking in front of people, but uh, a little nervous this morning. I, I'm not exactly sure why. Uh, a, a quick word on sermon prep. So Josh, it was about two months ago. He said, "Hey, uh, we're going to be going through Timothy, and we're gonna get to chapter 3. And it's going to talk about deacons, and since you're you're a deacon here at the point, uh, you know maybe maybe it would be good to have you speak. So I've had a couple months to prepare. I knew my text, and uh, I, I had uh, a couple weeks ago had an outline. And this week, I uh, because I uh, majored or actually minored in uh, uh, procrastination in college. I was going to major in it, but I'll finish that later. I <laughs> finally got to the details of my text and. Uh, the distractions that popped up are incredible, right? Um, you know, both personal, both in work, and and just you know stuff. I mean, down to even stuff you read in the news, right? So, Josh, I, I don't know. I, I have a, a great deal of respect for pastors that do this every week, right? To to go through God's word, and I think you know part of I, as I was sitting there evaluating my nerves, part of it is you know I, I'm I'm handling God's word, and there's there's not stress or pressure that comes with that because. I'm expecting God to fill in the gaps, and and there'll be plenty for Him to fill in, but just the uh, you know this is uh, this is not a position to to take lightly, right? To speak to God's church using His Word, and so uh, I'm going to pray. I know I know uh, Josh did and Nathan did, but uh, just ask just ask God to calm me, not let me get in the way. Father, thank you for letting me be a part of this church, letting me serve this church. Uh, I do pray that your word will shine through, that the Holy Spirit will speak to your people here and not let uh, me or uh, my goofiness, my uh, inability to to speak clearly, to get in the way, but that your message would come out, Father. I thank you that you promised that, that uh, wherever your word goes out, it doesn't go out uh, without purpose, Father. And uh, I claim that promise here this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, when Josh mentioned a while ago, I'd like to take a quick poll of the ladies and when he said deacons, uh, be honest, ladies, how many of you said that's a man's sermon? Nobody? Okay. All right. That's good. That's good. Okay. The, the, the reason I ask that is the the temptation or the connotation in, in an American church is that a deacon, it, anything about a deacon is, is for the deacons, right? So when I think of the deacons at the Point Church, uh, you have myself, Jason, Bradley, Shane, Miles, Travis. Am I missing anybody? That's it, right? Those are our deacons, right? Those are our men assigned to the office of deacon. Uh, but but I want you to understand, right, when we when we look at the word in the scripture, the word is diakonos, right? And for you Marvel fans, that's not Thanos' lesser-known second cousin. Uh, diakonos is simply the Greek word, used very broadly, about 31 times in the New Testament, and translated can mean kind of a multitude of different things, right? Ministry, service to minister, or a servant. In in, in our American churches, we, we've kind of just, when we hear the word deacon, we kind of just say it's an office in the church, right? A position of leadership or authority in the church. So I want us to kind of, uh, like Josh said a couple weeks ago, take off our American church glasses and put on, you know, uh, Understanding where this was written, the time it was written in, and uh, and then and then see how it applies to us today. So, we're going to look at uh, the word diaconos, and and from that we're going to get three things that we're going to look at this morning. Who are these deacons? Where do deacons come from? Don't worry, this is a family-friendly sermon. Why do they deacon? Okay, so we're gonna look at these three points. So so let's dive in. If you have your Bibles, turn them over to First Timothy chapter three. The 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 beauty of of preaching the word uh, is it expositionally? Is that the right word? Right? Is that you you go through the text and you can't necessarily draw out um, sermons based on topics, right? I, I do think there might be a place for topical sermons, right? I mean, uh, as Paul was writing letters to the churches, they were somewhat topical in their nature, right? But but when we preach the, the the fact that we have the full canon of Scripture now as a church, we can go through it expositionally, which means we don't skip. We pick, like right now we're in 1 Timothy. We pick it, we go through it, and we don't have the opportunity or we don't have the uh, the, the freedom to just skip over the hard stuff, right? We we have to look into God's word and, and see what it says. We can't just say, I'm gonna pull this, but I'm not gonna talk about that because it's difficult. I personally think this is not a difficult text. It speaks about qualifications for a deacon. So deacons likewise, and the word for deacons there is diaconos, must be dignified, not double tongue, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience, Let them also be tested first, then let them serve as deacons, if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanders, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. So, so let's look at some basic qualifications for deacons, for servants. And so anytime we, we see the word deacon in the Bible, t- today I'm gonna, I'm gonna substitute it with its definition, servant, right? Deacons likewise, Paul's continuing a thought from the previous text. So right, what did uh, Josh last week preached on the qualifications for overseers or elders? So, so this is in the same letter. He's saying likewise or just like those elders, deacons fall under a, under a very similar uh, standard. They, they They have to have these certain qualifications, right? So he goes into the first one, dignified which translated kind of means earned respect. And and, and there's a difference here in earned respect and demanded respect. And and the best example I could think is uh, in the the company I work for, we have a CEO, he's based in London, and he has people that work for him and he has people that work for them and they have people that work for them and about 15 levels down is me, right? And so if I'm on a call or a, a meeting with the CEO, there's a little bit of respect for his position, right? I don't know the guy. The guy barely knows me. I mean, he may or may not have seen my name in a report or something. But because he's the CEO of the company, I might behave a little different in a meeting with him than a meeting with my peers, right? Because there's a little bit of demanded respect from that that position. But, But in the office of a deacon, this is an earned respect. The position itself doesn't demand respect, but the person has to be somebody who earns respect. Not double-tongued. This one's pretty simple. You say what you do. Your yes is your yes. Your no is your no. You practice what you preach, right? You're, you, you could also say that uh, instead of not double tongue, a deacon must not be a hypocrite. Uh, you guys might have heard Zig Ziglar used to say a hypocrite is someone who complains about the sex violence and language on their VCR, or in today's terms, someone who complains about the sex, violence, and language on their Netflix watch list. Ouch, right? Yeah. But, but, but a deacon doesn't say one thing and then practice another. Next one, not addicted to much wine. I think Paul probably spent some time in similar Southern Baptist deacon meetings Immediately after that, went home and had a glass of wine, and that's why he said not much wine, because he said, hey, you might need a little bit to get through some of these meetings. But anyway, I don't want to get too too far into this, but... But this one is really quite simple, right? An, an alcoholic is not to be a deacon, right? There, there's got to be a, a control of addiction. And, and addiction here, he's using wine because, because alcohol obviously has mind-altering effects, right? It, it, it's something you have to be careful with. Alcohol, it, it, it's not a disqualifier to be a deacon. But, but likewise, you know, we, we can't look at somebody who abstains completely as a legalist. So so we we have to have this balance, right? He's saying not addicted to much wine. You could take wine out, and if there's an addiction to anything, there might be a spiritual problem, right? There could be a spiritual problem. If there's anything, the word addiction means to pay much attention to or important to, right? If there's anything in a deacon's life or a servant's life that is always on focus in their life, that's an issue because the focus should be on Jesus, right? Right? Not addicted to much wine, um, not greedy for dishonest gain uh, or, or somebody who is fond of dishonest gain. Have you ever met somebody who, who just seemed to like to take the best of people, right? And, and maybe in, 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 in our American culture, they're successful. Maybe they've got the nice house and the nice boat and the nice car, but they just seem to be okay with taking advantage of people. I, I knew a guy at work that uh, he just liked to lie. And I I couldn't wrap my head around it, right? If you you asked him where he bought his jeans, he would tell you somewhere else because he just liked to not give the truth, right? It it, it baffles us that that Paul has to put this in here a little bit, right? That should be a no-brainer. You don't want somebody who's fond of dishonest gain. But I think the bigger picture here is that a deacon's life or a servant's life outside of the church needs to match their life inside of the church. That's, that's the picture that, that Paul is painting here, and he chooses a pretty obvious, you don't want a guy who's fond of dishonest gain, who's, who's greedy for greedy's sake. That guy, that, that person is, is not qualified to, to be a deacon. I want to move over to, to verse 11. I want to I skip the, we're going to come back to verse 10 about how they become deacons. Verse 11 says, they're, in, in the ESV, says, "...their wives likewise." And, and there's that word again, likewise, right? Which means a continuation of something else. You know, the thing about st- studying God's word in English translations is we're translating a, another language. So I went back and looked at the, that, that word for wives because I noticed in my ESV it said wives, but in the New American Standard it says women, in the NIV, it says women. In the CSB, the Christian Standard Bible, is that right? It says it says women. So, so there's a couple different ways, and, and I'm not here to, to to figure this out. I'm just sharing with you what what I learned in my study here. Right? There, there's a couple different ways. I guess theologians look at this. It could mean the wives of deacon. Right? For me, it be it would be Lindy, my wife that there are some things that they must be and they must not be. And I would agree with that, right? If we're going to call somebody to be a deacon, we're going to look at their family. In fact, the text says they, they've got to be managers of their family. Uh, it could also imply women deacons, or it could be women who assist the deacons. If if the word diaconos is servant, and I want you to just follow me here. I'm not talking about the office of deacon in the point church. But if the word is servant, Kristen, I'm gonna put you on a spot. How are you not a servant? Right? If you're a lady in this church and you serve in this church, are you not a servant? Right? I'm waiting for Josh to stop me and tell me to get off the stage. Um, (laughs) Keep coming. Anyway, he sets some standards. So, so their wives or their women likewise, so that the likewise says, hey, you got to hold these other qualifications, must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded. If you go over to Romans 16, and you don't have to move over there unless you want to, Romans was written before Paul became Paul. In Romans 16, no, I'm sorry. In Romans 16, Paul now is, is Paul, okay? He says in verse 16, he says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church. In some texts, that word is deacon, but, but, the, but the Greek word is diaconos. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a, a, a diaconos of the church at, at century that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you, okay? To me, that's akin to Josh saying, I commend to you our sister, and Kristen, sorry to put you on the spot, but be right there. I commend to you our sister, Kristen, at the church of uh, Alberta, that you may welcome her in the Lord a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you, for she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. It's speculated that Paul trusted Phoebe for the delivering of the script to the church. That's a pretty important role, right? I think he realized that if he gave it to a man, we'd crumble it up, put it in our back pocket, and oh yeah, that's right, I got this letter for you, and unwrinkle it and fold it. Um, uh, there, there, my point in that is there, there are some things that women are equipped to do, right? Right? My wife and I recently had an uh, in, t- intense emotional discussion about women's roles in telling their husbands of how to do a project, right? She, she has got a eye for things that, that I don't have an eye for, right? And so if I'm to, to value the marriage that God has given me and our roles that, that Josh talked about a couple of weeks ago, uh, I, I've got some things I've got to learn in that, Right? The New Testament shares other examples of women serving in the church. I believe the message is clear. If, if the role we're discussing is serving, then it's an equal opportunity role. Again, I'm, I'm holding the office of deacon aside here slightly because, because I feel in this text, at least for me, that the application applies to, to men and women, that, that there are qualifications to be servants in the church. And we'll wrap this here, we'll wrap this all uh, up here together at the end. so so let's go back to specifically men in the church because in verse 12 it says, let deacons each be the husband of one wife. That's another one that's up for discussion. Uh, There was a point in in our church's history, I I don't know how many years I've been a deacon here, but we had to address the issue of of men who were uh, asked to be or called upon to be a deacon that had been divorced previously. Right? Does that text mean one wife in the literal sense of what God has connected or what God has put together, let, let no man put asunder? And we had we had men that had all these qualifications, but 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 depending on what you determined, one wife forever or one wife at a time, that, that one was kind of up. For for us, for our church, and again, we didn't we didn't take a hard stance. We got into the text and we looked at it. We said, okay. it's pretty clear one wife, so it's definitely one wife at a time. If you're a polygamist, you're probably not going to be a servant and probably not even a member. We're going to have some other discussions on that, right? Uh, but, But one wife at a time. Managing their children and their own households well. There's, there's been many of weeks that I've said, oh, I've got to step down from a deacon, right? Managing their children and their households well. I'm thinking, man, if I can't control my own kids, and I, and I love you guys, but you, you know what I mean? It, it, gets, it gets hairy being a dad and, and a husband sometimes. But you, you need servants who, who can manage their children and their households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves. And also great confidence in the faith in Christ Jesus. So, we we have some some basic qualifications, right? That's the who are these deacons? Let's look at part two. Where do they come from? And 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 before right before I get into that, I want to you know Tim and I as we we worked on this text together. He's preaching the same text, probably a totally different and maybe even better style over at Perdido. But the the office of deacon, the 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 office that I hold in the church, is simply a leadership role in charge of the serving of the church. Does that make sense? In in in, in American Baptist churches, uh, and, and I've seen it firsthand. The the word deacon, and especially the chairman of the deacons, that that that, that has some sort of like it comes with a little bit of fear or something. And uh, I I always um, you know I always struggled with the the power that that people assume comes with that position but when I get into God's word and I look at the the role of a deacon it's a servant it has nothing to do with with power or authority it's in and, and, and as we get into you know a couple of things here starting in verse 10 let them be tested first and and see if deacons can prove themselves blameless. What that means, really, is that we don't look at somebody and say, "I think they'll make a good deacon." We look at somebody and say, "They're a good deacon." You know what I mean? Be, because of what they're, they're not waiting for the appointment of some role. They're they're being a servant. Let them be tested first, right? If you go over to the text that that uh, Josh read this morning, Acts chapter six. Now, in these days. When the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint came by the Hellenists, or a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer into the ministry of the word. So so there there is what we what we feel in the in the Bible is the first selection of deacons. These were men chosen because the physical work of the church was impeding on the preaching of the gospel, right? So so if this were to happen in 2021, I kind of I kind of look at it as as and I'm just going to use you Josh, Josh is weak, right? Josh has got to preach on Sunday. He's got to prepare there's at least 20 minutes of preparation in every sermon, right? At least 20 minutes. So so in his week, there are all these other baskets of serving that if he's not careful, he can get called to do right. There, there's. Think of all the things a, a pastor is assumed to to have to do for the for the body of the church, right? Hospital visits, uh, visits to families, uh, listening, probably, maybe even counseling. Uh, you hung a TV in the building over there. I mean, I mean, you, you, Kristen, you all are shaking your head. All this stuff that is not preaching of the word, right? All these baskets that that need to be done. And, and he can't focus on preaching the word. So, so this was happening in the early church, and the early church was growing so fast, it's easy to minister if you got one family. You minister to the one family. When you have 40 families, it starts to pull from your time. So, so the church in Acts is exploding, and the men called to preach, the overseers that we saw earlier in chapter three, are finding themselves torn between the preaching of the word and the serving of God's people because they they knew both were important right they knew both were important but they said i'm called to preach can we can we find some men that can can do the the actual serving of the church right the 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 hand, handling of the baskets that's the, kind of the word i picked right uh, you can see baskets of of food being distributed to the widows or something but but the that 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 had to be done by somebody so that the pastors could focus on the administering of the gospel and, and, and what's that, What that, it tells us a couple things. It, it, it sets some clear roles that, that align with the chapter 3 in Timothy in elders and deacons. But it also kind of points to the health meter of a healthy church, right? I've been a part of and I've seen or sat in churches that the preaching of the gospel on Sunday was dynamic. Excellent preaching. But if you looked at their week or their month, zero serving, very little, even even of their own members. The preaching was awesome, but there was no serving of of the church. There there was no getting involved in the community. Inversely of that, I've been in churches where their community output outreach is phenomenal. I mean, I think we do it good. They do it twenty times better. But there's but but the the preaching of the gospel lacks. And, and, and what the Bible is telling us is that a healthy church has both. A healthy church is involved, is serving, but is also preaching the word. It's got to have both of those. That's that's a healthy church. And, and and the pastor, the overseer, can't do it all. So there are people that are that are that are called in to serve, right? Which leads us to the last point. Why do deacons deacon? Or if you're in the looking at the Greek, yate diaconos diaconos," why do deacons serve? Right? Why? Why do we do it? Um, there was a book uh, uh, I read by Simon Sinek. It's a it's a completely uh, secular author. Uh, he, he he talks about find your why. Right? That at the heart of everything you do is is a why. It's there whether you acknowledge it or not. But but there's some reason you do what you do. Something that drives you. Right and And in this, I, I think it's important for us to understand why we serve as deacons and 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 why servants in the church serve. There, there There's two things I hope you you leave here with today. One is is the role of a servant in the church and 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 why we serve, and that we is inclusive. <clears throat> what is our why, right? i want I want to ask you, and this is where my 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 youth pastor, Background comes in. Why do you serve? And, and you can. This is. I know I'm breaking protocol, but you can. Why do you serve? Somebody tell me. Why do you serve? Okay. So, so uh, in response to a an ask. Good. All right. There's not a wrong answer. I just want to know. Think about it. Why do you serve? Because there's a need to to to, to uh, see a gap, something that needs to be done, and to step in and do it. Okay, good. Why else? She raised her hand. <laughs> because Jesus served. We're gonna put a pin in that one. Shane? Now, I feel like I paid you guys to say that right at the right time, because that's exactly where we're going with this, right? All of those are, are, are good answers, but I want you to think a minute of the grandeur and majesty of God. I want you to focus in a little bit on that, right? Think on his creation. I mean, I mean, we, we, we've got a few windows here. We can't really see. Wherever you need to go to think that, maybe you've been to the Grand Canyon, maybe you've been to a mountaintop, I, I, I don't know. I can simply walk outside and look at the stars and I'm immediately drawn to God's majesty. Why would you put something so big so far away so that I can see a tiny dot? Exactly for that reason, so that I can say he is amazing. Like, 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 I, I think the the work that went into put this building together it's pretty impressive, right? The work that we did to to revamp it up, pretty impressive, right? It, it's you can't even put it on the same scale as God's grandeur in creation alone, right? Okay, so so think on that a minute. <clears throat> All that he created from his just spoken word, he just spoke it into existence, right? Wish I could do that with the steps on the back of my deck. <laughs> Think of his power. He can control the weather. We can't even predict it. He, his wisdom, he, he, you know, the Bible said he he is omniscient, all science, all knowing. Transition that a little bit to the holiness of God, right? God said, hey, if, if you want to be holy, here's some rules. He gives us ten rules. Follow these rules. They go into further detail in the book of Leviticus. But God is holy. There's not a speck of impurity in him. He's completely good. You know, look at look in Genesis, think into thinking the terms of the flood, when, when man got so wretched that God said, I, I can do nothing but, but wipe the, the face of the earth clean of them. And even in that, provided salvation through an ark. Think of his plan through the Old Testament, choosing the people of Israel, all that, that, that he led them through, and how all of that aligns with his purpose in his son Jesus. I mean, God's pretty amazing, right? And, and I know I'm, I'm telling you all that, but I want you to just really think about how incredible our God is, okay? And, and, and there was a gap in, in, in our sin and his holiness that we couldn't fix. And he said, I could fix it. I'm, I'm holy, I'll fix it. And so he says, he, he has a plan set out from the beginning of time that says, I'm going to come down. I'm going to give myself as a sacrifice to them. And, and now go to how he came down. Was he born in a a rich family, in a palace, with the best of the best around him? I mean, he he went to Mary and Joseph in a barn and in a manger. He, He grew up in the poorest of the poor, right? He gets to his ministry, and all he does is serve people. I mean, the only moment... He shows any kind of I'm a king is when when he comes into Jerusalem. And even in then, he doesn't come in on a white horse, he comes in on a donkey. I mean, I mean talk about a humble servant. So, so you got God's grandeur and Jesus' humbleness. Right? So, so. I go to stories in the Bible where, where Jesus, you know, he heals people, he, he, he heals the blind, he heals the lame, he brings people back from the dead. One of my favorite ones is, is the leper. You go, and, and what I love about the story of healing the leper is, is lepers in that time, I mean, they were isolated, they were thrown, you know, they were, they were basically the unmasked, unvaccinated of that time, right? They're, they're, they're over here in their own little cave, right? And so they, you wouldn't have anything to do with them. And Jesus could have very easily spoken healing. He could have. He, he did it before, right? There are stories where somebody said, hey, can you come heal my son? He's like, boom, it's done. Go home and check. He could have done that. But the leper needed something he didn't have. He needed touch, right? So, so Jesus lowers himself, goes into the leper's area, and you can say, well, he's Jesus. He knows he's not going to get sick. I don't care. He knew what that person needed. And he he touches that leper to heal him. I mean, you talk about why we can serve. If my God can come down and give up all of his grandeur to to be raised in in a poor family and then serve for his three years of ministry and then willfully offer himself as a sacrifice for me, knowing the condition of my heart, knowing he knows all the darkness in my heart, If he can do that, you talk about a a, a good why. I mean, Shane, you're right. It's it's like, why can't I? I mean, Jesus did all of that for me. How do I not serve? How do I not get involved in his church and, and, and serve others? If he could lower himself for me, why would I not do that? He is our why. We can serve because he first served us. He's given his life for you. Can you not give your life in service to others that they also may be saved? Maybe you're here this morning, your your ransom is paid, but but you haven't accepted the gift. Maybe you think you can make the payment on your own. The Bible's clear that the the debt of sin is too large. The gap's too wide for you to, to cover. And that's the bad news, but like Jesus said, he offers his payment in place. If you don't know what it means to change your mind about your sin and follow Christ, there's an opportunity to to do that this morning. Matthew 20, 25 and 28 says, you know that the rulers, the, the story behind this is, is Salone, the mother of two of his disciples came and said, hey, I want you to promise that, that my disciples are going to be, I mean, they're giving everything, right? They're, they're sacrificing their jobs for three years to follow you. The least you could do is make them high on the throne. I mean, you know, it's the least Jesus could do. Uh, Jesus says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant and whoever would be first among you must be your slave. And then he talks about himself here even as the son of man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. There there's 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 a call to serve in the church. It's an equal opportunity and call. call. It's it's men and women. There are qualifications for, for the office of deacon, but a deacon in our church is somebody who serves this church. I, I, I'm really proud to say that 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 our deacons. You know, I think of our guys here that that are called, and there there are men in this church that that uh, that are being a deacon. They're just they're just not have the title. Don't let, that, don't let not having a title stop you from serving. A title is, is essentially worthless, right? I don't file it on my taxes. Oh, yeah, I'm a deacon. Uh, you, you get no benefit of it. There's nothing that should stop you from serving, right? Because Jesus served us. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast from The Point Church. If you would like more information about our church, or if you have any questions, you can find us online at tothepoint.church.